So we are, we are and have been in a teaching series which we called Counterculture Christ. And, and the whole concept basically is this, is that Jesus did not conform. Jesus did not go with the flow. Jesus came as a voice that often said totally different things to what was the social or the religious norm in his day. And we've been looking at some of those things, some of the things Jesus said, the statements he made during the course of this past month. And today I want to take up another statement that Jesus made as, as, we, as we look at this theme. And I want to take a verse from Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, where Jesus said this, anyone who starts plowing and keeps looking back isn't worth a thing to God's kingdom. Anyone who starts plowing and keeps looking back isn't worth a thing to God's kingdom. Now, obviously, Jesus was talking to an agricultural uh, society, people who were used to working the land, and most of us are not. But, but in its simplicity, basically, he's referring to something they would all be quite well acquainted with, and that was if someone was out plowing behind a team of oxen, then there was one thing they needed to do, and that was as they, as they, as they drove the team down the field and the plow behind them, they would keep their eyes fixed on an object the other end of the field, and they kept looking in that direction because that enabled them to plow in a straight line. They'd turn around, come back, fix their eyes on something, that end of the field, and they had to keep studiously looking forward to get to plow straight. And Jesus says this. He says, basically, here's what it's like. In, if you're talking about following me, which was the context here, he said, if you start plowing and keep looking back, you're not worth a thing to God's kingdom. Now, let me just make a statement here. Jesus did not say you're not worth a thing in God's kingdom because every one of us is incredibly valuable to God. Okay, if you're new to us, you're allowed to say amen at certain points, okay? <laughs> like every one of us is incredibly valuable to God. Amen. Yeah, that one doesn't count, but anyway, okay. So, so but... but but we are. Every one of us is incredibly valuable to God. So Jesus isn't saying you're not worth a thing in the kingdom of God, but he's saying if you're keeping being distracted and looking back, then the fact is you're not worth a thing to God's kingdom. You're not really going to be productive. You're not really going to be fruitful. Your life's really not going to reach its potential if you're not fixed on your purpose and moving forward. So really, I think it's maybe applicable with this Sunday being this particular point in my life and ministry to throw out a challenge to you today and to encourage you, let's keep looking forward and let's keep going forward. Amen. That's where I want us to be moving. We just sang the words, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. In, in the mid-1800s, there was a, an English clergyman by the name of John Bode, and he wrote a poem for his children's confirmation. 
And the poem later became a hymn. And some of its words, some of you who, who were around probably in mid-1800s will remember. And it starts like this. Oh, Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Be thou forever near me, my master and my friend. I shall not fear the battle if thou art by my side, nor wander from the pathway if thou wilt be my guide. Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. While we were singing, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, my mind went back to 1966. And 1966, Billy Graham had a crusade in Earl's Court in London. And um, I went there a couple of times to, to his crusade. <clears throat> and I can remember one, <coughs> one night after the service, we were going back um, through an underground car park to our to, to find our, our, our van, and as we're walking through it, the, the, it seemed as if from all over the place, I could hear people singing, and we joined in. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And, and with the concrete and the low ceiling, the sound just echoed incredibly around the whole place. It really impacted me, so much so that I'm still talking about it today. And the age of 16, I, I, I joined in and I sang with great gusto. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And I'll tell you today, standing here at the age of 73, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. No turning back. And my encouragement to all of you is this. Pursue your faith, no turning back. Stay focused. Keep pushing forward. There are three questions that I want to ask you today. And I want to, I want to ask you, number one, where's your heart? Number two, where's your head? Number three, where's your hope? Where's your heart? Where's your head? And where's your hope? See, Jesus said if you keep looking back, you're not, you're not going to be worth a thing to the kingdom of God. There's a fascinating but disturbing story in, in, in the book of Genesis. It, it kind of all starts really in Genesis chapter 13 where, where um, Abraham, who was traveling towards a land that God was going to give him, a Abraham uh, had his nephew with him. They both were... Um, they, were, they were farmers, they had herds, they had sheep, they had whatever, and, and they're, they're, they were prospering in what they do, so the herds were getting bigger and bigger, and they decided they better go their separate ways to some degree because they, there wasn't enough room for them all to graze in the same place. And, and in Genesis 13 and 10, it tells us this. It says, Lot, that was his nephew, looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor. So it was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like Eden. So Lot looks over and says, that looks good. I want to go there. The only problem was that area was known for being unbelievably evil. But Lot goes off in that direction. And he comes to live in the city of Sodom. And in Genesis 13 and 12, it says this, Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents 
near Sodom. Now, the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So Lot moves over there, and initially he pitches his tents close to Sodom. But, but here's, here's what I want to tell you. When you get cl too close to things that are not healthy and good for you, the danger is you don't end up just being close to them. The danger is you end up being sucked into them. Yeah. And in Genesis chapter 19 and, and verse 1, here's what it says. It says that two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. So what? Well, again, back in those days, the men who sat in the gateway of the city were actually the elders of the city. So Lot had started out saying, hey, I think I'll go in that direction. Then he's pitched his tent somewhere near to Sodom. And then, lo and behold, a few chapters later in the book, we find him. He must be living in Sodom. And not only that, he's one of the elders in Sodom. So actually, he's a high up in this incredibly evil city. There is a, there is a very disturbing story right, right here in Genesis chapter 19. These two angels came to visit, angels in human form, came to visit Lot and were in his house. And the men of the town, they, they circled Lot's house and they said to Lot, send them out. And basically they wanted to rape them. It's a horrific story. So Lot goes out to reason with the crowd and says, look, look, don't do it. It would be so wrong. It would be so wrong. And, and ultimately, the angels drag him in and say, you take your wife and you get out of here and run for your life because God's going to destroy this city. Then verse 24 of Genesis 19 then God rained brimstone and fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah, a river of lava from God out of the sky, and destroyed these cities and the entire plain and everyone who lived in the cities and everything that grew from the ground. So this lava came from heaven and totally destroyed the cities. Lot and his wife were told, run for your life. Get out of this wicked place. But the trouble is that Lot's wife was torn. And everything that she possessed and everything that she enjoyed living in Sodom was playing on her mind. And, and as they were running from Sodom, she couldn't help, but she, she turned around and she took a look at it. And, and in verse 26, it says this, but Lot's wife looked back <coughs> and she became a pillar of salt. I used to think that was weird, right? It's like she looked back and there she was, a whole pillar of salt. And um, basically, you know, it's thought that what happened is she got covered in lava as well, and she died because she hesitated and looked back. Let me ask you this question. Where's your heart? Are you moving forward? Or are you still looking at things that hold you back? and aren't healthy, and aren't good. Where's your heart? Is your heart for pushing forward? Or is your heart being torn by other things? In, in Luke 17, Jesus said this. He said, remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. 
Whoever loses their life will preserve it. My encouragement to you all today is this. On your faith journey, don't get sidetracked. Your heart's going to go after what you value the most. If you value following Jesus most, that's where your heart's going to be. If you've been sidetracked by other things, that's where your heart is going to be. And, and I want to encourage you, let what you value most be God's purpose for your life and serving God's kingdom. And, and, and let me just say this. If you know today you've been sidetracked, today might be a good day for you to refocus, to start to get a good God focus. Be like one of my Old Testament heroes, Caleb. It says about him in Joshua 14. It says, he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Do a quick inventory. How are you following the Lord? Wholeheartedly? Half-heartedly? Are you still looking clearly ahead? Or you've been distracted by things that are grabbing your attention? Where's your heart? Whatever it might be that could hold you back, I just want to encourage you today to, 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 to get refocused. I, I never, forget, never forget this. To step towards your destiny, you often have to step out of your security. I remember the day we left, we left Scotland to move to the United States in 1991. And uh, I remember that Tuesday morning, we were driving out of the little village where I'd pastored for 15 years, and we're driving out of the village. And there was the strangest feeling and sadness that today we were going out of that place and would not be returning again later in the day or a few days later. One way, we were leaving it. At Aberdeen Airport, caught a plane to London, got a plane from London over to New York, and here we are in Long Island, new life. But you know what? We couldn't start here unless we let go there. And you can't move fully into your life's purpose if your heart's still holding on to things that are hurting you. Where's your heart? Second question. I, I'm aware this morning that I'm the only thing that stands between you and ice cream, so I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to keep moving, all right? I just left out a whole chunk just so you get your ice cream, all right? So here we go. Where's your heart? So the second question then is where's your head? No farmer ever plowed a straight furrow looking back over his shoulder. That's why Jesus said, anyone who starts plowing and keeps looking back isn't worth a thing in the kingdom of God. You're not going to achieve anything in the kingdom of God. 
You can't keep looking back. You need to be looking forward. If your head's back there, then you're not going to achieve what you really want to achieve. In Philippians 3 and verse 3, the Apostle 13, the Apostle Paul said this, I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I just want to say this, in a group this size, I know a, a, a lot of folks watching us online as well, it's inevitable that there are a number of folks who really need to come to this point today in your life and say, you know what, I am going to forget the past. It doesn't just happen and it's not that easy. The scripture says, I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this to make it happen, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. But if we're not careful, we can get so buried in our past and so tied up by our past that actually we are unable to move forward and look forward and embrace the future that God has got for us. You see, the past can hinder us in a number of different ways. Now, the Apostle Paul did not have a great history before he came to be a follower of Jesus. He had a horrific history. He had Christians thrown in jail and he had them killed. He was not a good person. And that could have haunted him for the rest of his days and held him back. But he said, you know what? I, I, I just bring all my energies to bear on this. I've got to let go of the things that are past. And you know what? You may be sitting here today and in your head, you screwed up somewhere along the way and, and you made a bad choice or choices and decisions, did things you shouldn't have done, left things undone you should have done. And, and, and you think, you know what? I just messed up and, and I just ruined life for me. And, and one of the things that you need to do is recognize this. The grace of God is bigger than the biggest mistake you ever made in your life. I'm going to say that again because it's good. <laughs> the, the grace of God is bigger than the biggest mistake you made in your life. Amen. It really is. It really is. I, I, I love the statement in Isaiah 44 and verse 22 where, where, where God says to Israel, I've wiped the slate of your I've wiped the slate of all your wrongdoings. Look at this next bit. There's nothing left of your sins. Come back to me. Come back. I've redeemed you. Now, if from God's perspective, there is nothing left of your sins, what is it you're holding on to? You're holding on to a myth. It doesn't exist. God has wiped the slate clean. And all God wants you to do is embrace him wholeheartedly. Where's your head? Is it still locked up in the mistakes and failures of the past? Or, or maybe your head's still impacted by the wrongs you've suffered in the past. The Apostle Paul, in, uh, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he, he kind of outlined some of the stuff he'd experienced in life. He said, five different times the Jews gave me their terrible 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was in the open sea all night and the whole next day. 
I've traveled many weary miles and have been, have been often in great danger from flooded rivers, from robbers, from my own people, the Jews, as well as in the hands of the Gentiles. I've faced grave dangers from mobs in the cities and from death in the deserts and in the stormy seas and from men who claim to be brothers in Christ but are not. I've lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. Often I have shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Well, but here's the same man saying this. I bring all my energy to bear on this. Forgetting the things that are past. You can't embrace your future until you let go of the past. Whatever may have been done to you. You can't embrace the future until you let go of the past. Whatever may have been done to you. Let, 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 me, let me just make this clear. You know, I'm, I'm going to talk a bit more about forgiveness next Sunday. Um, but one thing we need to get clear is, is the very word forgive is, is, is almost like an unfortunate word. Because the word forgive suggests we're giving somebody something. And we're not. When you forgive someone, you're taking something from them. You're taking away their power to keep you prisoner with a memory of the wrongs that they inflicted upon you. You're not giving them anything. You're taking back your freedom, your life, your future. When you forgive someone, it's you that you're giving something to. And you are finding freedom to move forward. And you can't move forward if your head is still tied up in what's behind you and what happened to you in the past. You know, forgiveness is not approval for the person who has wronged you. Forgiveness is for you. It's for you. Some of the things we need to forget is we need to forget the past. We need to forget the hurt and the pain of the past. And we need to start looking forward. And you know what? One of the best ways to deal with the pain in the past is catch a glimpse of the fact that God's still got a glorious life for me ahead of me. And when you look forward to something far better than what's inferior is of no interest anymore. He, was he forgot. He was, he was forgetting, letting go of the things that he'd done wrong, letting go of the things that people had done to him. And, and, and you know what? As he was looking forward, I suggest even, even, even this as well. He, he, was, he wasn't clinging on to his past successes. It's like, hey, here I am now. And um, when Paul's writing to Philippians, he's getting near the end of his ministry. He has achieved an unbelievable amount. He's written, you know, a great deal of the New Testament. He has founded churches all over the place. And, and, and God has done some amazing things through him. But you know what? He wasn't resting on his laurels as if, well, here I am now, St. Paul, you may call me. Here's what he said in Philippians 3.13. Dear brothers... I'm still not all I should be, 
but I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm still not all I should be. So I'm not looking on what I've done. I'm looking forward for what's ahead. Never, ne ne never, never rest. Never be content. Never feel as if, okay, that's it. Where's your head? Stuck in the past or looking forward? And then, and then let me ask you this, thirdly, where's, where's your hope? What if the best days of your life are still ahead of you? I'll ask you that again. No, just think about it. What if the best days of your life are still ahead of you? Because, I mean, I'm not the oldest person in this building. I may look it, but I'm not, all right? <laughs> but, but, but those of you who've, who've still got a few years on me, yeah. Hey, you too. What if the best years of your life are still ahead of you? That's the way God wants us to be living. In fact, there, there, there's, a, there's a great verse in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, and, and, and here's what it says, Proverbs 4.18. It says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. The path of the righteous, basically God's saying, you know, you know what? Your life is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And if you're here today thinking to yourself, my life is over, I want to tell you, you need to bring your thinking in line with God's plans for you. Brighter and brighter until the full light of day. And if you are going through stuff now or have been through stuff recently and you feel as if, you know what, I'm done, I just want to remind you today, you're far from done because God's still got plans for you. And it's time to lift your head and to start looking forward and to dare to believe. To dare to believe. And a hope for the future that God has got for you. We are walking towards the light. That's what, that, that's what the book of Proverbs says. Now, I know if you, you know, I, I've read the things of people who've got, had near-death experiences and they've felt themselves out of the body and were walking towards the light. And, 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 but here's the thing. We're all walking towards the light. God says, brighter and brighter and brighter. And I just want to say to all of you today, God's, God's plan for your life is that the best really is still to come, and brighter and brighter is what is ahead of you. The, um, the ultimate, of course, is this. In Job, after, or in the middle of all of his trials in the book of Job, he, he made this very simple statement. He said, I will see God. Yeah, we're all walking towards the light. What is our hope? My hope is I will see God one day. 1 John 3, 2. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's my hope. My hope is in this life, brighter and brighter, and then finally I see the source of the light. 
I see him as he is. Where's your hope? What are you looking forward to? I just want to remind you, the hope of a believer is not the kind of hope like, I hope it doesn't rain today. The hope of the believer is speaking about something that actually is fixed and definite and certain, but it is still ahead of us. Where's your hope? I will see God. Anyone who starts plowing and keeps looking back isn't worth a thing to God's kingdom. But here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. We are not of those who turn back and are lost. We are people who have faith and are saved. And that's what I want to encourage you to embrace this Sunday morning. We are not of those who turn back and are lost. We are people who have faith and we are saved. Back in the uh, 1970s, I guess, a, a man we met first in Scotland and uh, who became a really good friend by the name of Robert Cameron. And uh, Robert wrote quite a number of songs in, in back then. Um, the style, I guess, of Christian music and songs was a little different in the 70s as to what it is in 2023. But I remember one of his songs, which was very simple, but it said this, I'm going on. I'm going on. I'm going on towards the mark, towards my goal. So many lives depend on what I do. Give me the strength, dear Lord. I'm going on for you. God created us so our lives would impact others. And I felt this Sunday morning might be a good Sunday just to call you to commitment that says, I'm going on. Give me the strength, dear Lord. I'm going on for you. Some of you have experienced disappointment. Some of you have experienced pain. Some of you are going through devastating times right now. I want to encourage you today to lift your eyes a little higher to fix them on Jesus and to embrace the hope that he wants to give to you. Anyone who starts plowing and keeps looking back isn't worth a thing to God's kingdom. But we're not going back. We're going forward because the best is ahead. Would you stand with me just now, please? And... Um, Charlotte, could we put that verse from Hebrews back up on the screen? We are not those who turn back and are lost. We are people who have faith and are saved. Amen? amen. All right, so let's do more than amen it. Let's say it. How about that? Here is our confession this Sunday morning. You ready? We are not those who turn back and are lost. We are people who have faith and are saved. All right, once more for those in the back row. 
We are not those who turn back and are lost. We are people who have faith and are saved. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are a God who is the hope giver. And God, I thank you that you not only gave us life, but as you did it, you gave us purpose. And I pray, Lord, you'd help every one of us to embrace your purpose in our lives. Lord, for those who might realize today they've been sidetracked, they're not as focused or as committed as they once were. I pray today might be a day of turning around and regaining that focus. For those struggling with the guilt of past things, may they find peace in you today. For those who've been hurt by others, may they find the freedom of forgiveness. And for all of us, God, give us a vision that keeps us looking forward, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you.